We are in Colossians chapter 3, and we're talking about seeking things above, keeping our eyes on the prize, keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. We've got to set our mind on the right things, and that seems to be the biggest battle. We'll delve into that more and how you can be effective in walking with Jesus today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. MacArthur says these words, A common sight in European cities during the Middle Ages was a group known as the Flagellants. Marching through the streets in solemn processions, they scourged themselves in penance for their sins. Uh, These are misinterpretations of the past. He said, this is MacArthur talking, he said, I once met a man who wore a belt studded with nails that constantly tore into his flesh. He felt that by doing so, he was killing the flesh as well as suffering to atone for his sins. Can you imagine that? I think I'll wear a belt with nails in it, so every now and then, just when I turn, What's going on? Did your back hurt? No, I got a nail-studded belt on. What? Now, this, this is a spiritual battle, but of course it has practical realities. What you seek, frankly, just to be blunt, is up to you. Would you agree? What you focus on is up to you. If you want to sit in front of your computer for seven hours or watch TV, as Pastor Brian said, I guess the latest thing is binge-watching series on Netflix. If you want to do that, uh, people look at you. (laughs) You can do that. You can choose to focus on what you want to focus. But these things, you know, if our focus is wrong, these things get inflamed. And I'm not going to go into the detail of what's happening in America right now with this issue, but I'll just tell you, I think we all know what's going on, right? And something has to change. Verse 6, for on account of these things, the wrath of God will come. There's a variant reading here, New King James, it's a different manuscript family, says, is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Here's what we know. Reason number one, we should avoid these things in verse 5, the five things in verse 5, is on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. People say, oh, here we go. Here they they go, those Christians talking about the wrath of God, the wrath of God. What's that about? Well, the wrath of God is actually tied to the holiness of God. And I'll say this to you. God has been extremely patient with the human race. Would you agree? He's been very patient with us. But he has fixed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness. And in 2 Peter, Peter says, oh, in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, and they will say, where is the promise of his coming ever since the fathers fell asleep? All things remain the same. Ah, my grandma was talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Where is he? Oh, he's coming to a neighborhood near you. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And as I've said in the past, there's going to be two responses to the coming of Jesus. One is going to be, oh, yeah. And another one's going to be, oh, 
How's that for high theology? <laughs> Which camp are you in? The oh yeah or the oh no's? <laughs> Verse 7. Now before I go to verse 7, just I want to remind you, you are not appointed unto wrath but for salvation through Jesus Christ. You can write down 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, where it says, God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. But he wants us to live as people who are anticipating his coming. And in them, verse 7, reason number two, we shouldn't do these five things in verse 5, is that you once walked this way when you were living in them. That's how you used to live. Christian uh, says, C.H. Spurgeon what has thou to do with sin? Hath it not cost thee enough already? Burnt child, will thou play with fire? What? When thou has already been between the jaws of the lion, will thou step a second time into his den? Hast thou not had enough of the old serpent? Did he not poison all thy veins once? And will thou play upon the hole of the asp? And put thy hand upon the cockatrice's den, old language, a second time? Oh, be not so mad, so foolish. Did sin ever yield thee real pleasure? Didst thou find solid satisfaction in it? If so, go back to thine old drudgery and wear the chain again, if it delight thee. But inasmuch as sin did never give thee what it promised to bestow, but deluded thee with lies, be not a second time snared by the old fowler, be free. And let the remembrance of the ancient bondage forbid thee to enter the net. Again, close quote. That's good, isn't it? But it's hard sometimes in moments when we're facing temptation. And have you ever had one of those moments where as a Christian, life gets a little hard, sledding gets a little tough, and you go, I remember the good old days. <laughs> when, when what? What did that really yield you? Think about it. For me, aching emptiness, guilt, Oh, yeah, there were moments of pleasure. Sin is fun for a season. Let's be honest. But in the end, it leads to what? To death. And it doesn't really produce anything that's positive. But now, here's what you have to do. You have to put them all aside, verse 8. And here's a second list of five things. These have to do more with personal relationships. You have to put aside anger, Wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech, which literally means shameful words, obscene, foul speech intended to hurt and wound somebody from your mouth. Put these all aside. Uh, just throw them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech. This is the idea of taking off old clothing, which has been soiled. If you played in a mud football game and you came home, you would want to get rid of those clothes and Either wash them or burn them, right? Depending on if you could get them clean. That's the idea. Anger. There's a lot of people with an anger problem. Is deep, smoldering, resentful bitterness. What does that produce for you? Oh, nothing. Nothing good. The second word there is wrath. Wrath is passion. It's illustrated. It's the Greek word thumos. It's illustrated in breathing hard. <laughs> Anybody ever do that on the freeway? <laughs> Can I get a witness? 
I do that after every golf shot I take. <laughs> Want to choke the golf club? Some years ago, we owned a condo in Anaheim Hills, and we, had, we moved to Corona. It was back in the mid-'90s. And the, the market wasn't good. The housing market wasn't good. So we tried to rent the condo, but we owed too much on it, so we needed too much rent. So other than, like, one renter, we had a whole litany of not-so-good renters. And this one guy stayed in the house, kept making excuses, ended up owing me, you know, fifteen dollars to $20,000. When it was all said and done, I had to get a marshal to go to the house. And finally got him out of the house after like a year of going back and forth. And so I was playing racquetball with my racquetball buddies, a lot of them non-Christians. And I said, I told him the story. I said, this guy played games with me. He lied to me. He owes me thousands of dollars. He stiffed me. I'm probably never going to see that money. And one of the racquetball players looked at me, and I had been witnessing to him, and he said, just say the word and we'll take care of it. <laughs> and I went, hmm. Just prior to that, you know, when somebody's doing this kind of stuff to you, lying about you, manipulating you, taking food off of your table, I, I remember I was driving down the street, imagining this man's face and choking my steering wheel. Confessions of a pastor in Southern California in the city of Corona. <laughs> that happens to pastors? Praise the Lord! Yeah, it does. Squeezing the steering wheel. I put those little divots in it. <laughs> and so when they said that, just say the word and we'll take care of it, I went, hmm. <laughs> just for a moment, though, I want you guys to know. It was a brief period of time. I... And I said, well, that sounds intriguing, but I don't think that'd be very good for my pastoral career <laughs> if... Uh, Eventually, it comes out in the newspaper that I sent uh, a squad in black suits to this guy's door, and it didn't go so well for him, even though I appreciate the gesture. <laughs> Maybe we'll send him cookies instead. I don't know. Frederick Buechner says, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor the last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that when you are, what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you, close quote. Sometimes you're mad at somebody and they have no idea, right? And you're... <laughs> They have no clue. And even if they knew, what good would that do? See, these are the things that we must put off. We are not to open the door to the devil, says Martin Lloyd-Jones. When you lose your temper, you, are, you open it wide. It could not be wider. Nothing opens the door more widely than anger for this good reason. The moment you are controlled by your temper, you are no longer able to reason. You are no longer able to think. You, cannot, you can no longer give balanced judgment, for you are altogether biased on one side against the other side. In other words, the power to reason and to think and to equate and evaluate all that makes man man is gone. For the time being, he is like a beast, the creature of his own passion and in a, in, of an instinctive kind of power. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Time can really get away from you. The day-to-day hustle can sometimes leave little time for the more important things in life, like Bible study. Remember that Pastor Michael's teachings can be heard at any time, day or night, on walkintruth.com. You don't have to worry that you have to get out of the car right now, because today's teaching is already online, ready for you to listen when it's most convenient for you. Visit walkintruth.com today to hear all of Pastor Michael Lance's teachings to date. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. You can no longer give balanced judgment, for you are altogether biased on one side against the other side. In other words, the power to reason and to think and to equate and evaluate all that makes man man is gone. For the time being, he is like a beast, the creature of his own passion and of an instinctive kind of power. Just think about how many things have been done in a moment of rage and anger and temper that people regret for the rest of their lives. Instead of seeking things above, of course, we see what happens. We start seeking vengeance or stuff like that. And of course, the list in verse 8, you can see it. It's not a pretty list. It includes slander. It includes abusive speech. Those things need to go out of our mouth. And we're not to lie, verse 9, to one another. Since you laid aside the old self, literally anthropon, which is the idea of man. So it's the old man with its evil practices and have put on the new self or the new man who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Here's the already not yet. We have, look at verse 10, we have put on the new man. But in another way, we have to still keep putting on the new man. How many of you remember the old Superman movies when he had to change in a phone booth? You guys remember that? I asked my wife, why did Superman change in a phone booth? She goes, because phone booths were everywhere. It was a, a thing that you could easily access. And, and so Superman would kind of do one of these. Hold on a minute. Here I come to save the day, but I got to change really quick. And he'd go into the phone booth and come out. The S on his chest. No more glasses. <laughs> right? We have to find our spiritual phone booth. Sometimes when you're tempted to respond a certain way, just say, hold on a minute. <laughs> Find your spiritual phone booth. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be over here for a minute. Give me, give me a minute. Now, you're, not, you're going to have a tough time finding phone booths in these days. But what you can find is a place just to take a spiritual breath. Something like this. Oh, Lord, everything in me wants to respond this way. But you've told me to seek things above. So... Here I am. Help. SOSs that go up to heaven get answered. He'll provide a way of escape. But we have to make a decision in that time to say to the old man, get off me. (laughs) And to the new man, Lord, I want to live like you. Scholars have said that you have to see these ideas of old man and new man, not as your father. Don't call your father your old man. I don't appreciate that, all right? I just want you guys... (laughs) But they say that the scholars, the scholars say that the old man is Adam and the new man is Jesus. We used to be in Adam. In Adam, all die. The old man is Adam. He is the federal head of the corporate identity. Everybody who's in Adam is going to die. The new man is Christ, and everybody who's in Christ is made alive. So scholars say that we have to be careful 
that there's an individual aspect to the old man and new man, but there's also a corporate identity, a federal headship. Adam's the federal head of the old man who fell to sin, blew it, didn't protect his wife, didn't stand between her and the enemy. The new man is Christ who did everything that we need to do, and so we got to be in the new man. And the new man is pictured as clothing. Sometimes people will see me around the church or at other places. I'll have a baseball cap on and shorts, and they'll go, Pastor Michael, I barely recognized you. And I'll say, why? I think I'm still the same person as far as I know. They say, well, you got a ball cap on and shorts, and man, you don't look like Pastor Michael. You know why? Because normally when you guys see me, I'm dressed like this, sometimes in a tie. And so they say clothing does make the man or the woman. You, you get used to seeing people in a certain set of clothes, right? It kind of defines them. And so this is what it means to be a Christian. You've got to put on the clothing of the new man and discard the clothing of the old man. You've got to get rid of the ways of Adam and put on the ways of Jesus so that you can become a mature person in Christ Jesus. The Puritan Thomas Goodwin said, There are but two men that are seen standing before God, Adam and Jesus Christ. And these two men have all other men hanging at their girdles, close quote. You're either in Christ or you're in Adam. Amen? But the reality of the Christian struggle is sometimes I walk like I'm in Christ and sometimes I walk just like I'm in Adam. Ashamed, trying to, you know, sew together fig leaves and that kind of stuff. Verse 11, we'll move quickly. A renewal... Here's the corporate nature of this idea, in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all. The church is the corporate identity of the new man, and so one of the things that has to go is cultural prejudices. Just write down Ephesians 2, 14 through 16, where it says, Jesus has made the two groups into one new man. He's made the two one. He's broken down the middle wall of separation. Barbarians and Scythians, the Greeks looked down on them quite a bit. In fact, the barbarians got their name from Greeks who would look at people who could not speak Greek, and what it sounded like to them is that they're going like this bar, 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 bar. Barbarians. And Scythians were even worse. They treated people terrible in war. Um, they were looked down upon. In fact, they would take their enemies, I'm sorry to gross you out, scalp them. Then they would use their skull to drink their blood. I'm sorry, but you kind of needed to hear that because Scythians and barbarians were coming into the church and they were sitting together at the potluck. (laughs) I'm not sitting at the Scythian table. Those people do unspeakable things. I don't know. He might be in Adam. He might be in Christ. At the potluck. (laughs) This is serious stuff. You think, well, there are some people in the church I just don't click with. You ever sat next to a Scythian? (laughs) How about Babar, the barbarian? (laughs) Bar, bar, bar. That's all I ever hear, bar. And the church was supposed to be this one new man in Christ showing love to the world. And so he says, and so as those who have been chosen by God, you're the people of God in Christ, holy and beloved, and that's what you are. Put on, oh, here's what you're going to need with the Scythians at the potluck. 
Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here's what you need to put on. Put off the other things, the anger stuff, the sexual immorality stuff, and put on these things. Put on compassion. Put on kindness. Wear it like a garment. Put on humility. Five things again in verse 12. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are the positives. These are the things that show forth a Christian and who we are. In the days before smoking sections on planes, a passenger started to light a cigar when the stewardess informed that him that cigar smoking was not allowed unless it was all right with the other person in the immediate area. So the question was asked, do you object to his smoking? She asked the woman seated next to the man. She said, I absolutely detest cigars with a stony reply. The stewardess then spoke to a young man near the front of the cabin and came, and came back to report that he would not mind sitting next to the cigar smoker. As the cigar-smoking man walked forward to his new seat, his former seatmate, the boisterous woman, turned to the stewardess and confided, I've been married to that man for 30 years, <laughs> and I still can't stand his awful cigars. Put him in another seat. Scythian barbarian. <laughs> Here's what we're called to do. We're called to bear with one another and forgive each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone. Oh, the sweeping language of the Bible is so cramping my lifestyle. Wait, let's read it again. Bear with one another, forgive each other. Whoever, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Oh, <laughs> but there it is. And beyond all these things, put on the garment of love, which is the perfect bond of unity. You ever come to the end of a day and went, that was perfect. It's perfect. It's probably pretty rare for most of us, right? We could always find something. It would have been perfect. <laughs> But, but when you put on love, you are putting on Jesus because God is love. And we're told in Romans 13, 14, just write it down. We're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Here's where we've put on, but we still need to put on. And we're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Every time we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we put on love. We put on his eyes. We put on his power. You've sat here, listened to a message for about 50 minutes. Thank you for your patience. But do you know what you've just done? If you're willing to receive it, you just put on more of the Lord Jesus. It's the metaphors like clothing. You've just put on more of the things of the kingdom. And you've ascended a little higher. That's part of the reason that you should come to church. It's not the only reason. You should come to serve and to worship and to honor God. But this is what happens. You put on love, and love holds everything together. Who do you need to love a little bit better this week? Who do you need to change your view? Maybe you've become a little bit embittered toward a person. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you've been struggling with an individual and 
You've become so negative with that person. You can't see them with a balanced eye anymore. You can't. You're going to have to be honest with God. You're going to have to say, Lord, give me your eyes for this person again because my view is convoluted right now. I admit it. I want to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to love people who don't just love me. Jesus said, what reward is that? What credit is that to you if you just love those who love you? These are the things of the Christian life that are so hard, but they can be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we can. Yes, they can. We can do those things. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. When we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and guide us and empower us, these things are possible. They become much easier when it's the power of God, the heart of God, the eyes of God in our lives. And that's why we need to keep seeking things above. Well, I want to say again, folks, I appreciate you listening to this teaching as we've been going through the book of Colossians, especially chapter three. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your comments. And if you have a prayer request, you can reach out to us as well. Please email me or write me. You can get all the contact information at walkintruth.com. That's our website, walkintruth.com. Well, please come back and visit with us tomorrow on this station. We'll continue in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at God's rule in relationships. Man, how important and how much we need His heart and insight in our relationships like marriage. That's tomorrow on Walk in Truth. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.